If you would like to support the Proper Mental Podcast, you can do so by joining the Patreon community. It's £5 a month, and for that you get early access to the episodes as soon as I record them. You also get the video recordings of these episodes that aren't available anywhere else. And it also allows me to keep this podcast ad-free. I don't want to interrupt these stories to try and sell you things. I don't want advertisements to get in the way of talking about mental health. I want to keep this show independent, and the Patreon allows me to do exactly that. You can also be a part of a Patreon community that's ever-growing and expanding, and it's filled with people who are passionate about talking about mental health, about getting into these deeper conversations. And hopefully as that community grows, there'll be all other sorts of behind-the-scenes content and different things that I'll be able to offer you for your money. If that sounds like something you'd like to be involved in, there's a link in the episode notes to get to the sign-up page, or you can go to patreon.com slash propermentalpodcast. And please know that any and all support is hugely appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to the City Lit Mental Wealth Festival um, and to our main event this evening, which is a webinar on the topic of men's mental health um, and focusing a little bit on my pet topics of creativity, connection and community. Um, So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome everybody um, to what I hope and what I know will be a lively, interesting and hopefully useful discussion for everybody listening. with, and I'm just kind of so honoured um, to have such incredible guests uh, joining the discussion with me this evening. Um, so to quickly introduce, and we'll go more into hearing the stories of our panellists this evening, um, I have with me this evening Tom Davis, um, who is uh, the creator and presenter of Proper Mental Podcast, should I say award-winning, right, Proper yeah. Mental Podcast. Multi-award-winning. Um, multi, multi. <laughs> Uh, We have Stu Mills, um, who is the founder uh, of The Noisy Brain, uh, incredible um, app and community exploring mental health through lyrics, music and collaboration between writers and artists. Uh, We have John Salmon, mental uh, health campaigner um, and uh, co-founder of (laughs) Speakers Collective and What's Going On In Your Head. And finally, we have Luke Ambler. I'm looking, dad, you like kind of coming with dad, right, Luke? <laughs> dad, former professional uh, rugby player, storyteller, and founder of the incredible Andy's Mind Club um, and hashtag It's Okay to Talk, I believe. So, awesome. So welcome, men, um, to the webinar. Um, Yashoda Rogers will also be joining us a little bit later from 64 Million Artists to talk about a collaboration between Noisy Brain and 64 Million Artists. Um, and we'll explore that at the end of our, our panel this evening. Um, so just to set the tone in a way, um, you know, we're looking at men's <coughs> mental health and looking at any sets of statistics. You know, it's a recurring feature um, that men in general report lower levels of life satisfaction 
they're less likely to access therapies. Um, only 36% of referrals in the NHS to therapy are uh, for men. Um, and biggest of all, I think, is men are three more, three times more likely to die by suicide than women, um, particularly in the age group of 40 to 49. Um, and you know, sadly, suicide is the biggest cause of death in men under the age of 50 in the UK. So sort of within that space, you know, we hope tonight's discussion might kind of speak into that space and explore what might be happening there, what men's challenges might be, but also looking at what kind of solutions might be, or solutions perhaps the wrong word, you know, what, what can help men or what are men able to access um, to support themselves and I think support others as well within this, this context. So I'd like to begin with the impossible task of inviting our panellists into the space really um, by telling a little bit about their story or their journey kind of, you know, we're all kind of working, campaigning, active within the space of mental health. And I kind of think it's really interesting to kind of start with, I suppose, lived experience or personal experience and sort of what brings all of us here into this space, I suppose. So, um, Tom, maybe I'll begin with you, put you on the spot. Um, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me, as Ian mentioned before, I host a podcast called uh, Proper Mental, and I get to speak to all sorts of different people about different aspects of mental health and mental illness and mental well-being. And I kind of started that almost three years ago. Um, I was I in 2016. I had a mental health breakdown, and for a lot of years, I wasn't very well at all. I had a lot of problems, and as I was kind of coming out of that towards the end, I made a conscious decision to start being more open and honest about my mental health and trying to talk about it and not hiding the fact that I'd been poorly and. I found that speaking to people and speaking openly um, led to incredible conversations that were really empowering and really healing and really helped me to get better and to understand my own experience. And I wanted to have those conversations. I wanted to have more of them and have them in a way that more people could hear them. Essentially, the version of me a few years ago who didn't know any of this stuff could hear them. And that's kind of where my podcast came from initially. Um, and like I say, yeah, nearly three years and 150 episodes deep and um, yeah, still still going strong. But that's yeah, that's that's how I came to it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I really I might come back to this later, but I'm really interested in the idea of of whether it's specific to men or maybe it's kind of there generally within mental health. But that kind of theme of, you know, helping others is also helping ourselves or, in, you know, in that case of helping your former self and sort of this is what I would have found useful this is what I would have liked to have heard and there's something kind of quite powerful in that kind of giving to ourselves through giving to others as well maybe yeah very much so very much yeah. so awesome uh Stu would you like to come into the space and let us know a little bit yeah. about your your background yeah well um much like uh Tom's just explained I, it, my uh, relationship with men my mental health uh, led me to start the noisy brain. Um, I had, I've had various depressive darkness episodes, and uh, I had a major sort of episode about four years ago, where I, I stupidly didn't talk to the people. Uh, it, it gained momentum, and uh, I started masking with alcohol, um, and which led me to like an incident that led me to sort of like spend a bit of time in prison. 
um, during that time, I started writing a lot and I sort of just basically uh, found that it was a really good outlet. And then somebody took some of my writings and made it into um, music and into a song. So from then, I just basically sort of decided to, um, you know, encourage other people to use writing as an outlet. I found it really good to sort of like um, get all my feelings out. And uh, then, as I said, somebody was kind enough to turn it into a song. And that was basically the like the whole incident that basically changed my life and made it. I have got a more positive uh, outlook on everything at the moment. It's a bit of a rush description of the noisy rain, but uh, <laughs> I know everybody else has got to have their bit as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's still to me, it's still um, early days. You know, like we've been doing it for almost three years. Um, there's around about uh, 25 songs completed, and there's around about another, say, 15, 20 supposedly being made all around the world. Um, it's exciting. But it's the most exciting thing I've ever done. So I'm, I'm hoping that more people will join and uh, uh, share their experiences of mental health. And we can look at trying to turn some of those into songs. Yeah. Cheers, Sue. And I, I, I love this sort of that sense of, you know, from your very challenging experience, sort of something that touched you, something that was transformative to you, then becomes the heart of of what you work on and the noisy brain and sort of offering that transformation or the potential for it you know nothing is ever guaranteed yeah. right but the possibility of of kind of working exactly. creatively to express and collaborate it's all about the connection as well I think. the the collaboration is very important you know and um the conversations like like tom the conversations are very inspiring that i have with a lot of uh you know, uh, contributing writers and even musicians. So it's amazing that how many musicians pick up a writing that they've had that experience. And um, that's why they've sort of adopted that particular writing and turned it into song. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Luke, do you, would you like to come in now and yeah, give uh, us a little bit of your background? Yeah, so uh, possibly a slightly different uh, angle uh, to, to the book. You know, they're the two amazing chaps. Uh, obviously, I had my own struggles. Um, I, my mum suffered with, or suffers with a mental illness. Has done since I was about eight years old when she had a car crash. Uh, and ended up with some brain damage. She has a, a rare condition called NEED, non-epileptic attack disorder, mm -hmm. which basically means she drops and falls. Uh, she ended up developing anxiety that bad that she didn't leave her house for four years. So I, I learned about anxiety, depression, mental ill health 25 years ago when it, when there were some real stigmas. I want amazing conversation like this happening. And then um, I had a bit of a, an identity wobble when I, I got let go from uh, the Leeds Rhinos, who were world champions at the time, and my dreams were crushed. It hit my own bit of a dark patch, which we haven't got time to go into today. But my my real, I guess, avenue into mental health was when I was in a really good space myself, bulletproof, I'd say. Uh, I don't even call them coping strategies, thriving strategies. I was just flying back with rugby, back with mindset, no matter what faced me. Uh, I had this theory like, what's next? No matter what hits me right now, what can I do about it? And I genuinely believed in it. And then uh, 3rd of April came 2016 and, um, you know, my, my brother-in-law around at my house having a good laugh and joke like he usually would with me and my missus. We, you know, we're talking about all sorts of stuff and then, you know, tragically three days later, I get a phone call that he took his life. And uh, 23-year-old, uh, I'll be honest with you, I was extremely pissed off. Uh, at, at first, as a professional rugby player, we got 
all sorts of checks. We got told out checkers knackers. We got told out. We got heart screenings. We got all sorts of uh, presentations. But no one ever told me the biggest threat to my life was me or Andy's life or him. And I had this little bit of a uh, just a, an annoyance inside that people really needed to know this, and and not just know about it. I think a lot of the time we keep talking about awareness and all this stuff. Awareness is is a small fraction of it. You know, actually telling people to talk. <coughs> teaching them how is another, but then giving them a platform to do so, you know, is the biggest of all. So I just came up with a very simple idea, approached my mother-in-law, Andy's mum, and said, I want to start something called Andy Andy Roberts Coffee Club. And, and obviously none of you will have heard of that because we went away from that. We said, what to be more than just about Andy Roberts? We want it to be about, about every man. Um, and we just created this little safe space where men could come, uh, have a chat, uh, have a giggle. Uh, I think we don't talk about that enough. You know, in Suicide Adventure, it's always about trying to stop the person take their life. Uh, and I've put a spin on that, and it's actually not really about that. Two's Adventure really is about life appreciation, isn't it, and, and hope and showing people positive. So if a guy can leave a group laughing when he walked in at the depths of despair, that's way more powerful than trying to convince him to stay and tell him how, you know, just talk about how you feel. Talking about how you feel helps get rid of some of the, the shit, but what you put back in is just as important and what you surround mm. yourself with. So... Created this safe space. Didn't think anyone would come in. My mother-in-law sat there. Nine blokes walked through the door. All different shapes, sizes, races, religions, different economic backgrounds. They all opened up. One of the most powerful nights of my life. Week after, 15 men turned up. And then um, just had a simple idea, right? 15 men have turned up in two weeks. How many could turn up in however many weeks? So I did a little selfie campaign called It's Okay Talk. That blew up. And then and now we, you know, we sat seven years on with... Uh, about 150 of these groups, 155 to be precise, and it's really honoured. I'm really honoured to be at City today and say we had his record numbers last night of, of three, well, over three and a half thousand men attended our groups up and down the country. And it's yeah. a free service, no referral, uh, no. You've got to be a one out of ten to be able to use our service. If you get to one of our groups and it only fits 30 in and 60 turn up, we just make it work. Um, we don't have to be a certain level of illness, a certain level of poor health. In fact, you can turn up just because you feel a little bit lonely um, because, you know, it's prevention rather than cure. So yeah. that's that's my sort of route in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, thank you, Luke. And I think, I think, you know, I think it's just incredible. I've, uh, you know, I, I've attended Andy's Man Club. Unfortunately, I have things on Mondays now and I can't go anymore. So I'm sort of missing that from my life. But, you know, there's something really powerful about, you know, like you explained, the you know, from my experience is like that movement from kind of talking about really serious kind of, you know, difficult stuff and just shifting into a space of humor and making a joke. And there's something kind of really powerful about being able to do that and share that space, you know, where, where people are being open. But like you say, the importance of having a laugh and kind of, you know, also kind of bringing a bit of lightness into, into that darkness in a sense, I think, I think so. In, in or out of an Andy's Man Club, you know, even if it's in pub, if it's at work, or if it's just out for a while you met, if you can get rid of some of that, whatever you want to call it, that, that crap, that, that trauma, that issues, just just get rid of it. It don't mean you've got to linger on it and keep talking about it with your friend or your friend's got to question you on it. Sometimes it's just like, no, actually, that's enough. Bang. Now, I'll give me some banter or talk some shit. To yeah. yeah. Let's, have, let's have some fun now, you know, and that, that's how I think. And his man could sort of built on, you know, I guess from being a rugby player, we sort of rugby room mentality. You were really tight together, you are going to war together, but then you'd also call people out and you'd also make people laugh. And ultimately, that's all we all want to do, right? We all want to be happy. So 
um, if you've got space, and, and I'm reiterating this because the idea of Andy's Man Club is that there's never meant to be an Andy's Man Club. So if um, we can get to mm-hmm. a point where people have these conversations without needing to go sit in a man's circle, even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was thinking, you know, there's something in there for me about, <clears throat> as you were saying, of sort of, you know, the the limit of talking and kind of knowing when I've said enough or feel I've shared enough. And it's, you know, I wonder about that statistic about men perhaps not accessing therapy, where in a way you're in a room for 50 minutes, an hour, and it's, it can be quite intense and can be quite serious, you know, my own experience of therapy. So it's, there's something, you know, having that different arena where there is movement and there's other ways to move. You know, I'm not saying all therapists are deadly serious, can have fun in therapy, but, you know, there is there is that sense of the, the pressure that's put on it that almost kind of can exacerbate, in a way, I think, for some of us, the the, well, the pressure on our mental health. Well, I'm looking at a guy across the room who is facilitating that group, who's just come through that door like you, being probably through exactly what you've been through or somewhere very near, and you're looking at him thinking, you look like you've got your shit together. And mm. how can you like you got shit together when you went to be? I'm in a mess. Wait a minute, but you've been through what I've been through, and you look all right. Maybe I can be that. And it just gives people hope, doesn't it? Actually, I might be sat in that chair one day with ball in my hand, introducing rules to this group, and that is just a little carrot and a and a uh, stick in it, or it's a little bit of light in the tunnel for a guy who comes in depth of spare. You know, nothing wrong with therapy. I think is everyone needs to find their thing. Uh, you know, often I think uh, where um, the detriment comes in therapies is that. Most people uh, aren't aware enough that no one gets into therapy as a therapist just because they like the idea of it. The majority of the time, if you speak to therapists on a deeper level, they've all had their own traumas and setbacks or issues. Uh, they're just not allowed professional to share that with you. Uh, but when you can understand that, that everyone's <coughs> dealing with shit on a day-to-day basis, aren't they? They're all fighting their own way through it. I think it just makes you have that little bit more of a deeper connection with people. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, you know, as a, as a, I'm a trainee psychotherapist, so I, I know that myself, you know, I don't come pure, <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I have my own shit in my background, still have, you know, still have struggles. And that is pure. But that doesn't, yeah, so yeah, thanks for saying that. It's good. Uh, I'm just, yeah, just to bring in John's conversation, John, do you, would you like to introduce yourself? And we'll, we'll come back to some of these ideas, because there's some really interesting stuff in there, John. Yeah, just um, really proud to be um here and um listening to um yeah Stu, Tom and Luke. I think lots of nodding. I think kind of with Andy's Man Club is definitely like the gold standard of um support that's out there. And I think you kind of mentioned around um you know 36% of NHS referrals have you know only been men. And also something that's that's quite evident at the moment is it is those minority communities that are um a more higher rates of suicide within those kind of groups and um and cost and you know and, and being able to either waiting list or to access um services support services there's the stigma of getting access to them um, but also the cost so um yeah no um yeah a lot to talk about but um yeah um from my side um i've been talking and, and doing things around mental health for the last um six years um, was never my intention, probably like most of us on this call. Um, that, yeah, sadly in 2016, um, a, a friend of mine, um, she took her own life. She was struggling, unbeknown to me, with postnatal depression, and that really was, you know, mentally, I was in quite a strong place then um, before before hearing that news. But that made me really angry. That how come in 2016, why 
wasn't she able to get the help that she needed? And um, that sent me on the road to starting to talk about my own mental illness. Um, in my first job, in my early 20s, I ended up having um, kind of a breakdown. I was sectioned and I was in hospital. I was off work for the best part of a year. And a couple of things, probably the reason for that um, kind of breakdown was the environment which I was working in was quite um, high paced. I wasn't asking for help. But also a few years before that, um, very sadly, um, my dad had um, depression and and took his life. And we got absolutely zero therapy, talking, you know, we just literally buried that 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 grief um deep down and that obviously came to kind of bite its head very quickly um well not very quickly actually it took a few years but it did come back up and and that ended up in me having um yes severe mental illness and um yeah section in the hospital and I guess over the last kind of five or six years I think you know doing different things around mental health with my company by entertainment whether that's producing music videos that challenge um, stigma around mental illness or doing websites. I think it's kind of, and again, with what we're, we're talking about today, is how do we reach men and just in general, just different people to engage with mental health? Um, talking works for some, um, but it's, you know, I, I think that's part of my brain. The bit that I like is listening to what Stu has to say with creating an app that's, something creative around mental health or Tom, what you're doing with your amazing podcast. I think that's, you know, talking's really good. Um, we need the safe spaces like Andy's Man Club for, for men to come together, but also we, there's so many events like even that I've done in the last week, it's still predominantly women in the audience. It's still within the, the whole world of mental health. It's still a very female space to be in. There needs to be more men either yeah, behind the scenes doing things or, or, or being more vocal to encourage other, other men to, to get help. Because, um, yeah, as we've been saying, the, the statistics are, are, are too tragic, really, um, that the men aren't getting them asking for help or, or waiting too late to, to ask for help. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, John. I, I suppose, you know, one just kind of picking up on what various kind of members of the panels have said, you know, about, you know, how things have changed, you know, within your own stories, you know, a sense of, you know, when, when some of us might have been struggling, there didn't seem to be much there. So there's something, you know, I think kind of really good that there is so much more available now. But yet also within this, there are those questions or challenges about access whether that's, you know, from an economic perspective, and there's perhaps a class question here as well, it's there in the statistics about kind of working class or kind of, you know, economically poor kind of members of society. Um, and also, so, you know, there's, there's that access, but also kind of, I don't know, I'm curious about, you know, not to generalize men, again, that's something I should have said at the beginning, but, you know, thinking into that space of kind of, you know, those internal barriers, and I sort of, I don't know, picking up on the sense that, you know, only sort of getting help when we're at crisis or when it kind of gets to an extreme and kind of picking up on some of the words used like masking, um, you know, bulletproofing, these sorts of sort of ways of keeping, keeping it in, I suppose. So I just want to sort of put that question out there, I, I guess, about, you know, what, it, what is it that, that is difficult for men 
whether from our own experience or from you know the conversations that that you've had or or kind of from Andy's mind club you know any sense of like what what are what are the challenges what are the barriers for men I suppose do, do you know just before Luke, yeah. we we answer we answer that because I think they, they we've all got barriers but I just think there's a lot of talk that men don't talk. There's a lot of talk that men don't. They do. We do. We do because we're all in here now. We've all created our own things. We clearly at some point found the help. But do you think that maybe if we're going to generalise it as men and women, do you think maybe women are better at lo- looking to things than we are? Because I think we're in an unbelievably digital age where there's more resources uh, accessible to us than ever before. I think sometimes we just want that want a tea put in front of us, don't we? Before we're going to go and cook it, um, you know. And I think. Going out and hunting like we used to as men and finding these things, usually we fa- try to find solutions. I think we maybe struggle with when we've got a problem. And as men, we categorically used to be fixers. We want to fix things. We're probably quite good at fixing things for other people. Um, if the solution's not put in front of us for this problem we've got, because we don't, maybe we don't know there's a problem. Maybe we think there's something not right, but we don't want to accept it. So, you know, whether it's bereavement or whether it's, um, you know, anxiety, trauma, a lot of us push it so far away from us until it gets to breaking point a lot of the time. If you if you listen just to what most people said on here, it got to breaking point. You know, we masked it with drugs or alcohol or just put his mask on and then I had a breakdown or it just got too much. So is it the fact that they're in, it may not asking or is it just that we don't want to accept we've got a problem through just pure shame or ego, bravado, because we're designed to provide and protect, aren't we? That's what we're designed to do. You know, we live in a different age now, but if you actually get back to who we are and what we are as human specimens, men was designed to provide and protect. The minute you feel that there is a sense of weakness in your armour, and I'm not saying it is weakness to have a problem, what I'm saying is if you feel there's a weakness, you might then feel that you can't protect your tribe. Um, And then that adds to that issue of trying to push it away so you can still be that big, strong man. Um, and then you add to that the actual uh, answers to the questions. You know, burden's a big one. A lot of the time we're going through it. We don't want to put it onto people who are nearest and dearest to us because, you know, we believe that, one, they've got their own stuff to deal with. They don't need ours. And why do they need ours on top anyway? We should be able to fix it. The other one is weakness. We often think it's weak to admit we've got a problem. Where none of us ever been through it now, we'll know that it actually took an amazing amount of strength and courage and bravery to be able to admit you had a problem and then go and deal with it. And the last one, a lot of time, is embarrassment, isn't it? You know, we live in a perfectionist society where you know we want everything to seem perfect we do don't we you know with the, the increase of social media we we marketing we've got very clear-cut images last thing we want is anyone to have a bit of a dint on his on his egos that maybe their relationship ain't quite right maybe they're not quite 100 percent you know is it gonna you know is it gonna stop me growing my business or is it gonna stop me getting a promotion are my kids gonna look at me differently if they know i've got a problem you know there's that embarrassment that ego and i think once we can start to drop the ego, which most people on here will have done and they've found different avenues to better do that. Um, the pressure comes off. And I think when the pressure's off and that backpack is off, it's it a little bit easier to find the solutions. And then when someone does say, when your wife does put a leaflet on the fridge or one of your mates does say, you know, have you ever listened to this podcast? Or have you gone, I listen to this song? It's a little bit easier to accept it then. But you've got to get rid of that ego and that bravado first and that ain't always easy. Some, some really good points there, I think, you know, just picking up, and I know you've talked about this before, Luke, about kind of, you know, flipping, you know, that idea of being vulnerable, you know, it takes that bravery, and it's just sort of shifting our perceptions of of those sort of, you know, vulnerability is weakness, and, and vulnerability is strength, and I think, you know, I was 
sort of the opening up of this and I'd see moments of it sort of in in my life I was in the gym the other day and just sort of happened to notice these two lads come in and one of them sort of opened his bag and he had this sort of self-help mental health book at the top of his bag and go, oh I seem to I've you know I've got this in my bag as if he hadn't placed it there right <laughs> and sort of gave it to his friend it was just a really beautiful moment where it's like oh this you know it's just like normalizing that helping each other and, and kind of you know no ego there it's just you know just this chance and it's quite low-key I don't know just kind of that what you're saying a little bit kind of brought to mind that um, I'm, I'm also thinking about you know, you talk there about sort of, yeah, the feeling of being a burden and kind of, you know, having to maintain strength. I also wonder about the flip side of, of you know, the way in which kind of men's mental health or, you know, it doesn't have to be men in general, but kind of how mental health struggles and suffering manifests. And that idea of, you know, that sadness or suffering or pain can manifest in the form of anger as almost like a mask for the sadness or manifest as aggression and violence or, or these sorts of things. So it's almost sort of that, again, a way of pushing people away rather than kind of opening up space to talk. Um, anyway, just some thoughts. Um, Stu, do you, do you have any reflections or want to share anything? Yeah, on this? I, I mean, going back to sort of uh, what uh, Luke said um, about us sort of uh, always looking for the answer or anything, I think that's the kind of the problem that I, I found myself in was basically I just kept going forward <laughs> and now on reflection like and something that I try and encourage uh well as many people as possible but people that approach me about my situation and what I what I went through and I I sort of like try and encourage people to sort of stop <laughs> and if they can to sort of pause reset you know change their routine um and you know that that routine change can be as simple as you know taking up a different hobby you know um but always not going through that same routine and like it, it just it becomes self-fulfilling doesn't it like if you if you don't if you don't sort of step away from you know you know, like for myself, I was, I, and I don't know why I wasn't able to talk to anybody. It wasn't a case of like, you know, I was alone. I just didn't have the guts to talk to somebody. Um, but now I realise that if I'd have just paused and stopped and changed my routine and, you know, um, you know, it's e even now when people approach me, there's, there's a thing that I've noticed um, I mean, I know the noisy brains are all about encouraging people to write about their experiences, etc. But I've started actually um, doing walk and talks um, because friends approach me and they say, uh, "Student, like you know, you've been through. We know what you've been through. And can I sort of like share some things?" The first thing they always say is like, "Let's meet in the pub," and I'm like, "Nah." get your walking boots on or your trainers and like we'll go for a walk in the you know i'm lucky enough to live near the rainforest i thought we'll take people off into the rainforest and so like we just walk there's a lot of silence in those walks but the the silence is people pausing and thinking about their situation and i think it's something we as society are not trained to do we just keep plowing forward and you know just going oh well you know it'll sort itself out 
but it ultimately doesn't, you know. And, you know, when I had my situation, um, I was lucky enough to have my uh, wife, you know, around. I didn't talk to my wife before the incident happened. I didn't tell her there was a problem. Um, and as soon as it did, like, I was, you know, friends, family, but there's a supportive uh, bubble around you, which you, at the time, you just don't even think that it's there. You just think you've got to do all these things on your own. Um, but, you know, she she actually basically said to me, like, I've just bought you some pottery lessons. And I was like, pottery? I used to do that, at, you know, school or, you know, co uh, college or whatever. And I just loved it. It was just a case of just like being able to just concentrate literally with the, the actual task in hand. And your mind was just like free. And I found that such a beautiful thing. I should go back to doing that actually. Um, but, you know, just sort of taking up a new hobby and something that sort of like, I, I found that art, um, you know, I used to do art and I used to sort of work in a, um art sort of kind of advertising industry um but i've kind of when i was working on these things you know in in the industry i was working on i'd forgotten all my hobbies i've forgotten all my loves and my passions i was just work 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 and i think that's a problem a mm. big problem with everybody in society now is they just keep moving forward and um yeah. if we can sort of like take it take some time out um even just gardening I love gardening now and it's kind of weird so it's like yeah you know I think there's that thing there about you know like you say there's this you know even picking up what Luke was saying that sense of doing and being active and so you know one of those ways almost to kind of avoid difficulty you know to bury bury oneself in work or bury oneself in a particular activity and so you know I think that's useful advice sort of you know just as we said sort of having a raft of things there possibilities a hobby different activities and bringing in change you know can be beneficial but you know if people are struggling it can be hard to even kind of push into those spaces yeah. um at the same time so you know just acknowledging that as well and i you know and there's you know walk and talks i wonder if there's something there about silence and you know being sitting with silence whereas if you're doing something if you're walking you know that you don't get uncomfortable in that silence it's sort of there's something else to look at or do and, and, and to be together yeah thank yeah. you um tom is is there anything sort of you wanted to pick up on from the discussion or kind of offer any reflections yeah i suppose <clears throat> excuse me in my in my own experience um one of the biggest factors why i didn't i didn't speak to anyone i didn't ask for help i didn't mention anything for a long time um was because i purely didn't have the words i didn't know what was happening to me and I, you, you kind of, you only know what you know, right? And at that time, I didn't follow any mental health accounts on social media. I didn't read any books. I'd not heard of anyone who works in that space. You know, it, it just, I can't tell you how, how off my radar it was. You know, like it, it never occurred to me I could bring a doctor for something that wasn't like a physical ailment. That never went through my mind. It was about two years before that even got brought up. Um, and I just, I did not know the words for what was happening. And I just thought I was going mad, like someone off the telly. And my only frame of reference for that was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and all these like, you know, like that was my, is it a film from like the seventies? That was my only frame of reference for it. And yeah, if you don't have the words, then you can't ask for help. 
if you don't know what's happening, like you don't know who to ask. Who do you talk to? How do you talk to anyone if you don't even have the words to describe your experience, you know? And I, I think that's really, you know, particularly as we record this and it's like mental health awareness um, day, you know? Um, yeah, it's like, I think sometimes that's something that we need to remember is like how to reach these people who don't know this stuff exists because it's yeah. really, really easy when you know it. You know, I can refer to people, I can signpost people, I can spread the word and I, and I love to do it. But me then, I had no one, no one I could ask. Not a single person mentioned anything. And uh, yeah, and I, I'd, I'd know no idea what was happening to me and i think that's really really common i feel, I, you know i i i think that's something that stops people it's like why do you talk about something if you don't know what it is you know and um yeah, yeah language yeah. so even the language you know the language becomes a barrier i think mm. and i you know and i th I, th I imagine you know i'm seeing lots of nods here i think that's quite important you know i know from my experience you know you know i've, I've been engaged in mental, you know i've been on you know one thing that helped me was going on a men's retreat with men without masks and sort of, you know, the activity along with the reflective time, you know, helped to kind of give me more language around it. But even when I started therapy as part of my training, it, you know, it was sort of a big surprise to me that I used to describe myself as having anxiety, you know, and I actually realized that I didn't have anxiety, but I had sadness and anger and all these other feelings. That I, it's not that I didn't have the language for them. I couldn't connect it to what I was feeling. So I think there's some, and just sort of adding something into that space, there's a language for it. And then sort of, you know, connecting words to what's going on in the body and what's being experienced. And there's, there's kind of the, the, you know, how do we, how do we push over those sort of barriers or limits? That's it. You have to learn it, right? You have to learn it. Yeah. It's like French. You want to learn a language, then you've got to practice and you've got to start with one or two words and find a way to, to pick them up and, and, you know, and practice and keep practicing and, you know, yeah. eventually, uh, eventually you find more words and find a way to be able to talk about your experience. When I first started in advocacy, I, the story I told then was very different to the story now. The same stuff happened, but how I describe it and my knowledge over it, um, the reason my show is called Proper Mental, because I thought I was going proper mental. That's the only words I had for my experience. I, I, had, I knew nothing about, I didn't know what depression was, I didn't know what anxiety, I nothing at all, you know? So yeah, you have to kind of... Um, that's I think there's a real difficulty in getting starting with that. Yeah. And I and I really think, you know, these campaigns and the work that's been done over the years, you know, to you know, it's okay to talk and kind of, you know, is also a literacy building and kind of getting used to talking and then through listening, you know, I think that kind of adding good it's good to listen <laughs> as well. And it's safe to listen to people talk about their feelings and, and that it's in that connection in that exchange that we kind of learn about ourselves and learn about feelings and, and yeah. kind of and if you, get more comfortable with talking, right? Definitely. If you hear someone else's story, you can borrow the words. If there's a little bit of you in there somewhere, it doesn't have to be your story exactly. It doesn't even have to be the same diagnosis or the same situation or the same background. But if you can recognize some of yourself in it, you can borrow those words and you can then use them to to talk to someone or to ask for help or to explain what's going on or just to kind of get some understanding of it yourself. And then that gets the ball rolling. And, you know, that's the hardest bit. Right. I mean, that's just basic laws of physics. Right. And an object that's not moving will continue not to move until something changes that. Right. So it's like if we can get that ball rolling, then that's it. Then you're off to the races then and, 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 and much better things can start to start to happen, I think. Yeah. And and the, the and with that, I mean, yeah, getting the, voc the vocabulary right and the wording, etc. Um, once you actually do open up and you talk to, it, whether it's a friend or whether it's a group or go to 
like Andy's Man Club, the weight that is lifted from your shoulders is just amazing. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it once I actually opened up how, how much better I felt. You know, obviously going and doing it more regularly is a major, major help. Uh, I mean, I'm always sort of like, uh, you know, using Andy's Man Club, uh, it's, it's uh, okay to talk to everybody. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big fan of Andy's Man Club and that, the way that is approaching, uh, you know, the problem. Getting people out and talking is, is great. And I like you say, just the more you talk, the more, you know, everybody's going to be a, uh, feeling a lot more able to open up you know open openness and honesty is is, mm. is key yeah and if i could just come back into the you know some real positive progress that's happening is when when we're looking at language and what for for young people so my my kids primary school they've got place to be and um that is a space where i said to my daughter what's what's place to be all about and it's like oh it's a room I can go and talk about my feelings and you know and my son who's a couple of years he's, he's only eight um but they they already have that built they're very lucky that they've got that built into their school um and talking about they're starting they're so far ahead of that 10 year old daughter of mine is light years ahead already and and my son with at least having some of that language to be able to talk about it. And that is the hope that, um, you know, we've got to start really early um, with mental health awareness and um, support in schools, but also that literacy, that, that, that ways to be able to describe it. Because when I was, when I had my mental health problem, to me, it came as a massive surprise. You know, I'm, it was like one day I was working the next day I was in hospital, I didn't see it coming at all. Now, when I look back at it, um, all the signs were there, you know. But again, what Tom was saying, what, what we've all been saying is we just, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't see the signs sometimes or or maybe we did, but we just didn't feel we could actually ask for help. And so um, mm. I think it is so important that we we get that yeah. support or into um schools and uh, young people yeah and I think sort of from the other direction about sort of you know asking for support but also checking in with each other as well I just want to sort of move you know using that to move into kind of thinking about community we've got a question in the chat around sort of young men and, and joining gangs and I'm just sort of picking up on what some of the things you were saying Luke about kind of the tribe and the community you know there's community thing there and, you know, we've got the great example of, of Andy's Man Club, which is, in a sense, a, a community, a tribe, you know, in a way of, way of belonging there. And you've got this kind of, you know, that desperation to belong or to have contact with other people and be part of something, you know, that can move in a, that negative direction, I think. And it's, and it's having these things to belong to, you know, to, to work within that perhaps we, you know, we've lost, you, you know, as we perhaps know, you know, over the past 10 or so years, losing youth clubs, using kind of these other kind of options or kind of ways for people to be together in, in a positive way, I think. Yep. Sorry, Luke, you, I think you were going to come in with something. Just uh, what John said about language. I think uh, we, we all are on about physical and mental health being put on par, right? But, but one thing that bugs me with, with mental health, and I'm, I'm sort of like uh, 
I like to sort of debunk some of the common some of the common uh, things that get put out. Like check in with a mate. It's completely bullshit, isn't it? Because I've got 20 mates, how can I know which one's struggling at exact time when we're all so good at wearing masks? Right, what it is, is it's about breaking stigmas that they feel comfortable enough to reach out to me. Um, and all all the aim, and I'll tell you why, what I mean by that. We asked Andy, not it was suicidal, like, how's things going and that, and he told us everything they were going through that weekend. Never said he was struggling with it, just sort of made a joke about the fact that he was struggling uh, uh, about maybe not seeing his ex for a while. But let me explain what I mean about language, because it was just something that John said there, and I started really thinking about it, right? And uh, I was just thinking, with mental health, it's either you've got poor mental health or you aren't. So you're either anxious or the, the hope that we sort of sell to people is, is that don't talk about it and then you won't be anxious. Talk about it and you might be able to just cope with depression. And I don't think that's enough because if you're overweight, you don't aim just to not be overweight. You usually aim to get fitter, healthier, stronger, more flexible, you know, better throw your grandkids in air or your kids in air. Like you always want to be healthier, right? That's the idea. You know, you eat better so you become healthier. I just think that, you know, we talk about anxiety, depression. Surely we've also got to start promoting joy, calm, patience, um, happiness, excitement, um, things to look forward to. You know, and I just think, that, you know, thriving rather than just, I always think you're either surviving or coping. That's all the mental health space sort of promotes. You're surviving or do some coping strategies and cope. Just get by, you know, life, that's what it's about. It's either get away from your struggle or get by and, and I'm really big on this other area now, thriving. Like, there's got to be another area. Like, there's just got to be something more that, you know, whether it is through, uh, you know, having amazing conversations on podcasts, you know, whether it is, and John, I know you've done loads of running events and all sorts, haven't you? Like, you know, and inspired people through that or through writing lyrics. Like, there's just got to be something that gives you something worth living for. Like, and, and it was something that Stu said as well. Like, we all get boring when we get to a certain age. That's what really happens. We get stuck in those mundane lives where we, you know, if you think about it, you only got a job at one point unless you had to because you wanted a little bit of freedom away from mum and dad. You had to stop living in mum and dad's pocket or, you know, you know, whatever your situation is. You may be able to get your own place and then you realise that there's no freedom all in that and suddenly you get stuck working your job and then you stop doing even the free shit that you care about, like going out for a walk with your mates, going and throwing a football, kicking a football about or passing a rugby ball about, all that free, getting up a mountain, none of it costs out, but we used to just do stuff that we used to enjoy. You know, go jump in some water or go have some fun. Like, you know, do some crazy shit that, you know, it doesn't have to be all illegal. But, you know, go paintballing with your mates or Nerf gunning or whatever. Just stuff that makes, you know, I even see everyone laughing now. And, and I do it all the time. <laughs> I just do funny shit that makes me laugh because within next 100 years, I'm going to be dead. Um, and it's that simple, isn't it? And I think we've got to give ourselves some in the morning that we'll wake up and go, got that next week, got that next month, I've got that next year to look forward to. Um, because it can't just be I'm surviving, I'm, you know, or I'm coping. It's got to be something more. It's got to be developing other emotionally intelligent words like patience, calm, you know, fulfillment, yeah, yeah. joy. I hear you. If you, and want, I, I, if you want something funny, um, yeah, follow Luke's um, Instagram. That, that will definitely that <laughs> made, you made me laugh, Luke. <clears throat> recently, with your kids' holiday and losing your like canoe, was it? So um, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. always some carnage going in. Yeah, but I love that. <laughs> I love that sort of connect. You know, I think it's a really good point. I think there is that sense, and maybe it's somewhere there in the statistics around kind of forty to fifty. You know, that sense of stagnation maybe and you know and just go into survival mode and really you know waves you know and I love this idea of thriving and kind of it's almost kind of 
trying to enhance that kind of generativity and sort of moving into creativity now but kind of that generative energy and like as you were describing it Luke just that sense of you know tapping into that inner playfulness and you know having fun and kind of life being more than just surviving into thriving and kind of you know how how we can support ourselves and each other yeah through that if you think what that's going to do it's going to give you more memories which is going to make you think when life does get shit again you do a broom oh remember when i had that bad patch and i managed to still go out not long after and go and have loads of of fun actually this what i'm going through right now that's the hope the past is the hope now it's not it's always been shit everything i've always had you know my story has always been you know, tragedy after tragedy. Actually, no, in between those two tragedies, you also had a load of fun. And you can also go have a load of fun again. And I think a lot of the time we feel guilty when we are meant to be struggling or we are struggling that we shouldn't be having fun as well. Uh, and if you're struggling with something, it's not wrong where you still can't go out and distract yourself, escape from it and go and have some fun still, is there? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I wanted to sort of, you know, finish off kind of our talk this evening just with a, a little kind of exploration of creativity. Stu, you've talked about the work of uh, noisy brain and you know how you know writing and this can be in a kind of very light way there's no expectation around it there's no pressure in a sense it's just sort of writing down your thoughts and feelings and sharing and then again that generativity came it comes in you know working with the app working with kind of musicians there's the possibility that these thoughts can become something and there's there's something more happening there. I didn't know, John, whether whether you want to say anything about some of the work you do, because you work in creative fields and filmmaking and things, kind of the, the role of creativity within mental health for you. Yeah, I mean, I just um, I've been very lucky, I guess. I, I don't see myself as creative, but I work with lots of creative people, I guess, um, over the years to yeah make make different films or or, or different content and so yeah being very proud to to be involved in some projects and and one of the things that I've been doing for a few years is called what's going on in your head and um we be we pick a particular subject and explore that through performance um through music through poetry um they've been physical events that people have turned up to they're not promoted as kind of mental health events it's very much like a a show that you come to watch um and um yeah i think sometimes it's it's difficult to have some of these conversations um but when you can you approach it in a creative way um it brings a different audience and it also brings a kind of a better understanding and empathy for something and for somebody that's something that somebody's going through so when we've done things on eating disorders or bipolar or you know some of these um borderline personality disorder some of these different kind of labels that are out there um we can kind of demystify them via like working with amazing individuals who you know you see beyond the diagnosis you see their yeah. talent their creativity and um again what we've all been talking about is that breaks down that stigma it's like oh okay um and um so i think that's what's really important um how yeah the arts um can be used to kind of um get that level of understanding and empathy and yeah as luke kind of says entertainment something that's going to make you laugh or you know kind of engage um and remember yeah or move or kind of yeah just tap into those emotions i think yeah 
I was thinking, you know, all of my work is about, I teach about creativity. So I was just picking you up on, you know, not, I'm not very creative. And I'm like, you set up all these amazing organizations and things, you know. So I just sort of, you know, I just hold that space for kind of human creativity as, as this generative energy that we all have. We're born with it, right? And we, you know, and there's something kind of, whether it's Stu's example of, working with clay and kind of you know so it's got that sense of a mindfulness you know getting into body and using the hands is, is something that can be healing but there's also something purposeful about setting up a business or setting up an organization and these sorts of things and you know there's so many different ways to use kind of that creative generative energy I think that that is di directly connected to our sense of well-being and kind of our sense of purpose and our sense of thriving to come back to what Luke was saying um so on the topic of creativity, I'd like to invite uh, our final guest, uh, Yashoda Rogers um, from 64 Million Artists, um, and invite her to just to talk with Stu about, um, well, do you want to tell us about your work, Yashoda, and, and what 64 Million Artists do and how we might get yeah, involved? Yeah, cool. Firstly, I'd just like to echo Fran in the chat who's just said, thank you for sharing your stories and yeah, very powerful testimony of lived experience, so thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, so here at Six Four Main Artists, we believe everyone is creative. For us, um, and when we use that creativity, we can make positive change in our lives and the world around us. So exactly what you're just touching on there, um, Ian around and Stu, and yeah, everyone around, you know, taking that time to pause and connect with hobbies and um, reflect. And um, yeah, so we're a community-led social enterprise and we're really interested in the relationship between creativity and change. Um, and again, to kind of echo things that have been said today around uh, how it helps us understand our feelings um, and solve problems, manage stress, boost well-being. Um, and yeah, we do that in a number of different ways um, through co-creation and collaboration. Um, and one of those is through our funded public programme. So we provide free creative uh, resources, workshops, events and supportive networks for um, the people that work with people. So people who work in care homes and uh, uh, health services, communities, schools, workplaces. Um, and um, yeah, so just to kind of speak to um, what was touched on earlier as well um so we kind of yeah we run these lo lo lots of creative programs that we offer for free in lots of community spaces um and we realized that you know good inclusion work means creating tailored resources and spaces and men are underrepresented in our in our, um in our audiences that we understand that you know from our research around um and feedback around um the kind of yeah po 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 the positive well-being emotional regulation um a connection through creativity you know it's not it's not um a gender difference so we're really trying to work um work in more ways to co-create um programs that um um engage with men and again um like i said that kind of leads on to you know how we're working with Stu. you know we like i said we co we co-create our programs so we're really excited to have a um creative uh prompt from Stu this week um and yeah, just to really quickly touch on a free resource that yeah, I would like to share. So we have a big um campaign, annual campaign called the January Challenge, which you know, January is a tough month for a lot of us. Um, and we have 31 days of free creative prompts that are co-created from communities all around the UK. Um, and lots of um fun events and things happening through um throughout that month. Um but yeah, to to go back to um our so alongside our uh, January challenge we run uh, weekly creative prompts that are also free so yeah again that leads me back to you um getting involved and 
sharing uh, his creative prompt this week. I don't know if you want to talk a bit about that, Stu, and uh, yeah, why. Yeah. Thanks, you showed it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just sort of when uh, the guys from uh, Sixty Four Million Artists um, approached me, I just wanted to keep it sort of a reasonable, simple brief. So um, it was really, I mean, the brief is. If you were to meet your younger self, what mental or emotional health related advice would you give? Um, and what would you share with that younger self of yours? And I think that allows you to sort of like, you know, really think a lot deeper about what you've been through, how far you've come and, you know, how would you potentially approach things differently? And um, I think it allows you to sort of like be a bit creative, but on a, in a simple way, you don't have to be the most creative person in the world to sort of like actually start thinking about, you know, your life. Um, and, you know, you know, that to, to uh, Luke's thing about, you know, that could, that could be have more fun. <laughs> it could be go out and have fun with your, your friends and, uh, you know, enjoy all those moments and memories. Um, it could be as simple as that. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of um, studies to show sort of like the positive effects of writing on mental health. You know, it allows, you, it allows us all to think, um, uh, you know, so, sorry, it allows us all not to bottle everything up, um, which, you know, keeping everything to yourself, as we've all heard this evening, it can result in uh, bad things happening. So using writing as an outlet um, helps uh, release those emotions that were previously bot bottled up. It makes us all a lot more, I suppose, self-aware, which, um, you know, can only be good for sort of like actually sort of like, um, uh, you know, like motivates you to sort of like uh, think think differently and you know maybe take care take more care of yourself um i suppose um you know some of these writings they they don't necessarily need to as we're saying it doesn't need to necessarily be serious it, it it can literally be you know about you know having fun i'm just repeating myself here <laughs> um but yeah i think it's a nice project to get involved with so um so I was getting distracted by messages yeah, coming yeah. up. Sorry, that was me. That's me. Yeah, I've just dropped <laughs> just dropped in the chat. If anybody listening is struggling, uh, just some links to uh, Samaritans organisations that can help you and, and do reach out um, if that does affect you. So sorry to distract you with that, Stu. I just, I just uh, you showed you showed that, or Stu, no, you showed it. How how you know how can people get involved? What can they do? With yeah, the challenge. So um, I can share something um so yeah Stu's brilliant challenge I've got um I'm sharing it here now it's an Instagram post you don't need to be signed in but just um yeah um so get involved in that and then also um again if anyone wants to like continue the conversation around um creativity um and getting involved I'm going to share my email address and also the Sixth Million Artists website we have lots of free creative resources and um lots of events coming up so yeah um yeah really if, if anyone would like to get involved in those I'm sharing those as well Super. and if they could get shared for either 64 million artists or the noisy brain or both 
you never know if like that, those writings could potentially be adopted by musicians all around the world and uh, potentially made into songs. Like so, there's another incentive. Let's make some music. Yeah. Again, the, the Mental Wealth Festival this year, our, our chosen theme is connection. And this is kind of so important about kind of connecting, you know, all of us together, different organizations looking, you know, I love that word you showed of create, uh, co-creation, you know, working with others. So please do get involved. Um, following the webinar, I'll be sending out links and information about all of our panelists and how you can get involved. Um, if you're not already attending Andy's Man Club, every Monday night, seven till nine. Is that right, Luke? 100%. Yeah, that's the one, except my awesome. holidays. Yeah. So, you know, check out the website, find your local um, uh, local group. Uh, Tom Davies, where, where are you now? 160 podcast episodes? 150, yeah. 150. 150. Yeah, wherever you get your podcast. Fantastic. Now. Awesome. Fantastic. So ch check out Proper Mental. And John, what's what? how can people get involved with what's going on in your head and your other work? Yeah, it's the yeah, it's what's going on in your head.org. Um, so have a follow of that. Um, yeah, and John Salmon um, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, send me a message. Awesome. Well, thank you. That I've got so many more questions that we haven't had time to ask. So, you know, hopefully we can kind of continue this conversation in other contexts and other areas and connect with more people, I think. So um, thank you so much to all of our panelists for joining us this evening and for sharing your thoughts and experience. I, there's so much more there. I'm, I'm really interested to, to, to hear more. Um, so thank you so much for joining us this evening. And thank you to our audience. Um, Mental Wealth Festival continues throughout this week. Um, if you're in London, the majority of our events are in and around venues across London, primarily at City Lit, uh, which is in Covent Garden. If you're in the area, do drop by. There are creative workshops, there's talks, there's exhibitions, there's so many activities. So, you know, do come in, say hello. I'll be there for the next four days. So come and say hello to me um, if you're around. And I'd love to connect and hear your story and, uh, yeah, if you need any help or support, do do reach out. We're there. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, have a wonderful evening. Um, and yeah, wishing you the best of health, everybody. Take care. Fantastic. Thanks, Ian. Thanks Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. big up to the proper mental podcast a proper mental podcast <laughs>